Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chris, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. And we can see you, Chris! Uh, Honestly, the number of issues we have with Zoom every time... (laughs) Yeah, we tried to speak to Elvis a couple of weeks ago and we had no joy, did we? Well, it's partly because the real Elvis is dead, but this was... (laughs) Chris, can I ask, you're wearing a gilet or a body warmer during the hottest day of the year. What is going on, man? I adjust. It's quite. I'm, I'm, I adjust my temperature quite easily, you know. And I probably, I probably got ice cream stains on my shirt, so you know. I just... <laughs> um, first of all, it's so lovely to see you. We we had you booked before, and I got ill, and we had to postpone. So thank you so much. It's a uh, pleasure for that. It's honestly such a thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we, I don't know where to start because I'm a little bit overwhelmed. You go first, Catherine. First of all, thank you for Odyssey and Oracles, one of our all-time favourites together. And we uh, also, we, we saw the um, recent... Um, well, recent, it was a few years ago now, at the Palladium. Before we were all locked away, it was very nice to go and see it at the Palladium. And I understand it's your wife's artwork in the background, so it's a real team effort. That's correct, yeah. My wife's, uh, we work together and write songs together as well. And and she's, she's got a book of her artwork out as well. So basically, yeah, we have a good part. We've been together for 30 years, so, you know... And what is lovely, look, you've got a, is, I think that you've got a bass guitar behind you, you've got a keyboard behind you, you've got a very messy desk uh, behind you. Yours, it's we, a busy we, desk. We will, we're going to talk about the Chris White experience and all of these releases, but you are still doing it, aren't you? You're still doing music. What else am I going to do? <laughs> it's true. I was going to be an art teacher. I spent three, four years in art college. And then, uh, uh, and then at the last minute, we just uh, we were working in the group for the zombies, obviously, in nineteen sixty one onwards. And then in sixty four, the others were going to to college and all sorts of things. And we thought as a last throw, we'll enter a contest, and uh, we won the bloody thing. So um, that's what happened in nineteen sixty four. And then our first recording was "She's Not There," which, as a debut single, it's there is often a pub game. Which band had the best debut single? Yeah. As a first single, she's not there. That's a pretty. There was no warm up, was there? You went straight in. That's right, absolutely. It was our first recording session. Wow. And in that session, 
we, we, we were one of those evening things and uh, we were working on four track and the engineer had been at a wedding all day. We started in the evening and he was absolutely pissed and uh, he collapsed halfway through the session because he was shouting us and everything. And uh, Colin said, basically, this is what going to recording, so I don't want to do it, you know. But then he collapsed and we had to carry him out, you know, having arms and legs and put him in a taxi. And then the tape operator took over and the tape operator was Gus Dudgeon. Oh, OK, yes, I know and that it name. it was his first recording session. And so he was the first, it was our first recording session and Gus Dudgeon's. How, how old were you? Ba- you'd have been babies, wouldn't you? 18, something like uh, that? I, I can't remember. I, was, I suppose I was 20, I think. Wow. Or 21, I can't remember, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you all got... Uh, did you, you, did you all go to the same school in St Albans? No, we were in... Uh, Colin and I came from one school. Rod and the other two, Hugh and Paul, came from the, the St Albans school. Um, we're, we're two nearby schools, basically. Yeah. And uh, Rob was looking for a, to put a band together. I joined after the bass player was at, our, was at my school. He wanted to take his A-levels, so he, he left. And they caught him playing playing bass guitar with one hand in his pocket, so... Um, oh. Well, hang on a minute. <laughs> I've got a terrible image in my head with what he was doing with that hand. I think you're about right. Yeah, well, well it was it was open string, so it was in the key of A, see, so oh. it was just playing like... Oh, okay. <laughs> um, how did She's Not There come about? I mean, you guys, you're working up this song. Obviously, it's a classic, right? And obviously, it's a brilliant song, and it's I find it kind of spooky, and it's very strange... At what point did you go, oh, oh, I think this might be, I think we've got something special here. Well, we, 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 uh, our producer, Ken Jones at the time, said basically, why don't you write something, try and write something. So Rob wrote She's Not There and I wrote another song called You Make Me Feel Good. And that was the, that were there, three recordings we did of Summertime as well. And then there was a toss up between She's Not There and You Make Me Feel Good. And we just thought we had to write songs basically to enjoy ourselves and it, it just happened you know we've we're lucky still a new thing though in the early to mid 60s you know because it was all american songwriters it was all tim pan alley obviously until the beatles came right. through and kind of kicked that door open but still Absolutely. it was the beatles that opened it and in fact our most exciting period was there was a program called jukebox jury on television yeah and she's not there came on and George Harrison was one of the panellists. No, what did he say? I like that. He said, nice, nice bass playing. You know, That's I'm, high yeah. praise from him, isn't it? Yeah, here we praise. go. He's yeah. a miserable guy. Whoa. <laughs> so you got a hit from a Beatle. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, may I go off on a slight tangent? I, I'm always fascinated with 60s bands, right? Because whenever anyone talks about the 60s, it's the Beatles and the Stones, maybe the Kinks and the Who, and all of the other wonderful bands, the Zombies, the Hollies, all of these great groups kind of are in the shadow a little bit. Do you ever get resentful of the Beatles and the Stones hogging the 60s limelight? Not in the slightest, okay. because because basically, I mean, we're all in our late 70s, I'm 80 next year, but basically, uh, we, we for 30 years, nobody knew who the hell we were, until people like Tom Petty and Paul Weller talked about Odyssey and Oracles. Nobody wanted it when it came out, that's why we split up. Mm. And then all of a sudden, we got nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in yeah. America, and we got inducted in 2019, which was success after 40 years, basically. And at our age, it doesn't go to your head, you know, basically. <laughs> well, you're, but, you're, 
you're a baby if you're 80 next year because McCartney's 80 this week. So you're still, <laughs> you're still. Yeah. A, it was a rocky road for the zombies, though. It was. Oh yeah. You feel. You feel like such a weird band because your story is not linear. You know, it starts with this great single. It kind of wobbles about a bit and almost ends with, you know, like a little whimper of when Odyssey and Oracle first comes out. Yeah. And no one was interested in that album, were they, at the start? Not at the time, no. But now then, the weird thing is uh, people that we respected and were heroes of ours, like Tom Petty and Ben Montench and... Uh, and Dave Grohl and saying quote it as it's influential on them and wow. that, that was to us to meet our heroes and then say which we were appreciating and they sort of said that really fact in fact while we were inducted on stage in the Barclays Centre in New York yeah three thousand people there Brian May <laughs> came backstage while we were doing the interview and said just like to say how much you influenced Queen wow and what that's what do you do with that? How do you how do you get your head through the door when people are saying things like that well, to you? At our age, you see, it's sort of justification. <laughs> and years, it was good. <laughs> and years earlier, I was touring with Arjun, who Rod and I were producing and writing mm. for, and we were in Los Angeles, uh, and I wasn't playing with them. I just produced them and wrote for them. And we went to a party uh, in Beverly Hills. It was Eric Burden's launch of his group War, and Jimi Hendrix was there. Wow. And at his house, they had all, all the stars, I and mean, it was a launch party. And I was sitting at the bar having a drink, and Jimi Hendrix came and sat beside me. And he said, oh, yeah, you were in The Zombies. He said, and he sang Time of the Season to me. Oh, my oh, God. Oi, oi, oi. Because we're still all friends, The Zombies. We still like each other, which is very rare for 60s groups, you know. That's, that's, that is very true. There's always, uh, you know, I mean, the Kinks is the obvious one. Those, those, those Davies brothers, they ain't never going to do it again. Tell, Odyssey and Oracle is fascinating. And I'm, I'm on, I love 60s music, Chris. I'm a big Monkees and Beach Boys and Beatles fan. I was quite late to Odyssey and Oracle. It's about, it about 10 years ago mm -hmm. that it came into my world. And it, for me, it's like Forever Changes by Love. It's just this unique sounding, timeless record. What was it like recording that? Was it a smooth process? Well, we walked into Abbey Road Studios. We were the first people who weren't signed to EMI to use the studios. Just as Sergeant Pepper, they came out finishing Sergeant Pepper. The wow. Beatles walked out as we walked in, basically. And uh, it was on four track. It was a four track recording. Right. Uh, and those, I mean, nowadays it's hundreds of tracks, but basically, and we were only given a thousand pounds to do the album. <laughs> Gosh, okay. <laughs> right. So, um, and Rod and I, we weren't quite happy with the production that had been done with us at that point, although he was great, uh, Ken Jones, but we wanted to produce ourselves as we were the writers. Yeah. So it was our first production job as well. Uh, and uh, and Rod, Rod uh, basically, um, he said, after we did the album, he said basically, he's very generous of him because he'd written three of the big hits then. He said, why don't we put our joint names on all, everything we write? Because one song will keep us going. Right. And uh, that, that was fantastic. The next song was it was Hold Your Head Up by Arjun, which I wrote. But he gets half of it as well. So I don't care. They made that generous offer. You know? I wonder whether that plays a part in you all still getting on with each other, because the money thing does seem to interfere somewhat, doesn't it, sometimes? Yeah, bands? yeah. It, it does, because Rod and I were the only people who had any income in the early days because right. we were writers, you know. Yeah. And then we, we we got screwed by about two million quid. Um, we found out many years later. Uh, Tito Burns, who was our manager, and uh, 
one story, which was basically we in 1967, I think it was, we went into his office and he said, we, we had no work, you see, and, and we said, is there any work in England? He said, I can offer you 10 days in the Philippines. We wow. said, what Philippines? Why can't you can't work over here? And he said, well, they'll pay all your accommodation, equipment and, and travel and everything. And uh, you pay 10 days then. We said, oh, what's that, 400 quid then? He said, no, it's 100 quid between you. And Flipping so, heck. And so basically we thought we were playing the hotel foyer. It turned out after 30 hour plane journey, we met with 1,000 kids in the airport in Manila. Yeah. And uh, we had three or four records in the top 20. We wow. didn't know, because it before the internet, you see. Yeah. And then they pulled up at a house in the middle of the night or a building. We said, what's this? He said, that's where you're staying. It's the Araneta Coliseum, which happened to be the second biggest Astrodome next to Houston. We played 10 days to 30,000 people a night for 18 quid each. Flipping it. <laughs> Chris. I mean, yeah. it, it's the cliche, isn't it? The band getting ripped off. But yeah. that's uh, that's outstanding. Oh, yeah. We, we, we still can Carried on. We're still here and we're still friends and we still write. That's the most important thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um. I want to get onto the new stuff in a bit, and because I've been listening to the the five CDs, the Chris White Experience. There's some amazing stuff on there, some real gems. But just quickly, the Odyssey and Archive. I just want to tie that tale up. It was overlooked. Uh, the the guy that did the artwork spelled Odyssey wrong, That's right. so it's misspelled. And am I right? It it kind of it, it it came out in the UK without a trace. And Colin, the singer, for those who don't know, went to work in like a tax office or something. He got a proper okay. job. He was in the insurance office because his dad said, we're not sitting around not doing anything. So, can, so he took the first job he could get. He just recorded what is one of the greatest albums of all time. Beautiful. No, no one bought it. He went and worked in a tax office for, for a while. Right. That's his, and am I right? It, it kind of slowly took off in the States and got some traction over there. Yes. 
Yeah, that's right. And people like Tom Petty still quotes it as yeah. one of his favourite albums because he. it turned out that when he was 14, he came along to one of our gigs in America. Isn't that funny? And so, because I'm quite friendly with Ben Montench, who's his keyboard player and everything. Yeah. And uh, it's weird, uh, Paul Weller, when, when we played, we, we did the premiere of it in Shepherd's Bush in, I think, 2000 or something, eight, I think it was, because we'd never played the album on stage. So we did it as exactly as we recorded it at Shepherd's Bush. And uh, Paul, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Go on, but Weller? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Paul Weller came back. And I shyly went up to him and shook my shook my hand, put my hand out and shook it. I said, so lovely to meet you. And he's, I said, my name's Chris. He said, Chris White. And gave me a great bear hug and said, you're the reason I started writing songs. Oh, oh my God. Wow. I mean, these people that we sort of thought were fantastic, it turned out to be influenced by, which is, which is the best you can do. Yeah. The best thing you can do with music is to make memories for people, you know, to be part of their lives. And that's the best thing to do. That's that's what's kept us going, you know, through thick and thin, you know, and friendship. Colin Blunstone has got, even now, God oh, knows how. A young man's voice. I don't that know. voice, it's... Even it's, better now. He's, he's really fantastic. It's yeah. like honey. It's beautiful. Alfie in the chat is saying that uh, uh, he loves the uh, Blunstone album One Year, which I think you co-produced. That's right, yeah. Well, we talked Colin into Rod and I producing him. We had a deal with CBS after we got the... Uh, time of the season was a hit. We got a deal with CBS in New York, and so we started asking, producing other people as well. And one year was fantastic because uh, we wanted something different, and uh, we tried different arrangements. Then we found Chris Gunning, who was a young arranger, yeah. and did the fantastic quartet arrangements, and uh, he still is going very well. And so it was a it was a pleasure working with all the people still you know, in, in, at that time. Because Rod had his group, Argent, we put yeah. together. Uh, and all you really want to do is write songs and influence people, to be quite honest. And if you give pleasure to people, that's even better, you know. What's great, so there's this, there's a five CD set. It's on Spotify. You can, we'll put yeah. the links to Chris's website if you want the, the physical. Um, the Chris White experience, can you explain, because it's a mixture of stuff from your career, isn't it? What is it? That's right. Well, basically... Uh, I found there were tapes in my mother-in-law's attic, which I've kept for years and years. And That's such a British rock star. You know, <laughs> Americans, they were in the vaults at Cedar. Yeah, my mother-in-law had them in the loft. <laughs> so, uh, therefore, my sons, Matthew and Jamie, Matthew was in producing, uh, engineering, and Jamie was financial controlling things and had his own group and had toured with the zombies as a backup group. Yeah. They looked through and they found about 800 tapes and I said, well, let's take advantage of being inducted in the Rock and Hall of Fame and, and put the demos out. And so they started doing it. And they, they really are in control of it all. So there, there's about eight CDs to come out. There, okay, there's more to come. Oh, they're, yeah. they're incredible. I, I was, I mean, you could listen to them in sequence. I was just, just kind of jumping around and going, right, I don't know this one. What's that? I don't know what this one is. And oh, oh what? Talk to him because I got there's one I got. I've got to try and remember because it was it blew my mind. You talk to Chris while I try and find this. Song. This, this is ADHD at work. He's been seized. On. Graham yeah. in the chat is asking who influenced you. You talked a lot about leaving a legacy and and being um, thrilled when people are influenced by you. But who was it that did it for you? Well, in the early days, it was obviously Presley, really, and uh, Buddy Holly and 
Bill Shannon, uh, we all our heroes we worked with, and they were such lovely people as well. And they always influenced us, you know, that, and Motown stuff as well. Because when we went to America, the first time was we got to we went professional in July of '64, Christmas '64. We went over to New York for the Murray the Case uh, Christmas show, which was we played eight shows a day. For the, over the Christmas period with Benny King, Chuck Jackson, Dion Warwick, the, the Shangri-Las, all these people. We met our heroes. We were quite frightened, basically. And it, that was that was our introduction to America, which was absolutely fantastic, you know. God, that's great. The song Good, Good Morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a great song, man. It's got these... I mean, it's quite repetitive, but that's the charm. It's got these wonderful Beach Boys... Beach Boys, the Beach Boys, that's a different Boys, together. Better. You don't want to go there. Um, Star Harmonies. So, I mean, who that was Kevin Finn. Yes. So you were writing and producing all these different artists. Well, that was a demo I made with Kevin Finn and Eve Graham, who were from the New Seekers, because I knew them, and they, they did lots of my demos as well, basically. And we thought it was a song that should be good for a TV programme or radio programme. And it was it was a fun thing to do, really simple as that. It was never released. It was just done as a demo. Was it not? Because it's saying it's the New Seekers makes perfect sense. Because it's that I love the New Seekers that that tight, tight harmonies. Um, so how much of this stuff was not released? Most of it, then. Most of it, yeah. Wow. Well, there's there's you know there's about sixty at least sixty songs in there. Um, well, there's stuff that Paul McCartney said. He said when you do things, you, if it doesn't do anything, you put it in the fridge and bring yeah. it out later and see if you can do something with it. That's really the philosophy behind it. You still writing, Chris? I mean, how, when was the last time you were sat at that keyboard writing something new? Uh, probably last year. Right. Because I've just moved down to Salisbury, so we're still unpacking, basically, because we were based in London. But yeah. most of the demos are done here. Fantastic. And what are the chances of the zombies, you guys, doing it again? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, right. We, we were lucky enough to do uh, about three tours in America with the touring zombies, which Colin and Rod and th three other great musicians. And we did, as a second half, we did the whole of Odyssey and Oracle exactly as we recorded it. Yeah. And we actually stole the keyboard player with Brian Wilson. Uh, Darian Sahanaja. That's right. Wow, he's great, yeah. And the last tour we did in America, uh, we did... Backing up the Beach Boys, so we we toured the Beach Boys. It was fantastic, you know. What fun! Darren Sahanaja, for those who don't know, was in a group called the Wonder Mints, and he yeah. is. I mean, he helped Brian Wilson complete Smile. He is he he can recreate the '60s sound. Yeah. Um, I say he's a young man; he's probably the same age as me now. But um, yeah, he could, he knows that '60s sound and can get it spot on, can't he? Oh, absolutely! And the the wonderful thing is, he's so quiet and downgraded basically because then we were, when we were rehearsing Odyssey and Oracle he came we, he, he he phoned me and he said uh, I'm coming over to see the premiere of Odyssey and Oracle he said do you, jokingly he said do you want another keyboard player so I took Rod along to see the Beach Boys and we decided to ask him to play the Mellotron pass because Rod couldn't play two keyboards at the same time yeah so he came and did it willingly he'd already got tickets so we had to give them to someone else so we paid him to come over and, and <laughs> play with us and he's a great friend of ours and he really is and when we did rehearsals he quietly came over to Rod as we were rehearsing and said Rod when you played that part he said you on the record you played so and so and Rod said I didn't 
then he listened to it. He said, oh, yes, I did. So he knew more than Rod about what <laughs> He's going up to Rod and saying, don't be yeah. rude, but that's wrong. You're playing it wrong. That's not what you did. <laughs> Am I right? When we saw um, you guys, the play, that was a real Mellotron, wasn't it? You no, it, no, it wasn't a Mellotron, because the Mellotrons basically got tapes coming at the back. Oh, OK. It was electronic Mellotron. Mellotron right. sound, yeah. Okay, because those Mellotrons are famously unreliable. It's it's the first kind of sequencing, and it's it's you're right. It's it's tape. That's Mellotron, of course, is Strawberry Fields Forever. Mm-hmm. And, and that, Kate, Kate Bush used it as well, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we walked into Abbey Road, John Lennon's Mellotron was there, and that's why Rod eyes lit up. You see, because we only had a thousand pounds to do an album. Yeah, and um, and because that's where we get all the Mellotron parts, not a scene oracle. Thank you, John Lennon. Steve wants to know, are you still in touch with Russ Ballard? Oh, yeah. In fact, I spoke to his uh, to Bob Henry today, funny enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in touch with Russ, yeah. We're still all friends. That's the nice thing about us, like, you know. That's not the way it should be. I know. You should have fallen fighting. out. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to talk about the zombies, and you and Colin never got on. That's what it's <laughs> supposed to And I love it. The, 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 the zombies, it, it, it's a very British... Yeah, well, the everyone says the Kinks are British, and actually they kind of went a bit American. But the zombies, this very British, gentlemanly, artistic, kind of artistic. We were thing. that gentlemanly, I tell you. <laughs> bit, bit of boozing back in the day, was there, Chris? Of course there was. <laughs> what's <laughs> the point? Of, Come on. Yeah, exactly. What's the point of being a pop star if you can't yeah. um, if you can't have fun? Um, f- for me, this uh, this will be our year. Is there are, there are a few songs that can get me in tears, right? And it does me as well. <laughs> it's, God, that one, that one really hits you there, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, we played it before you, just before you came on. It's so beautiful. And it's, you know, Colin's voice and the background and everything. Um, you, you, I, I'm going to say something that might sound patronising. You know that Odyssey and Oracle is a masterpiece, right? You know well, it's a masterpiece. I've been told, yeah. But it was something that we did really basically. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. Well, this will be our, it's become the perennial wedding song now, this will be our year. Yeah. I played it at two of my son's weddings. So. Did you really? Am yeah. I right? You're, you said, you, the, is it both your sons that are in a band or, or one of them? No, they're both in. We've got a company and they're signing other people as well. They, they run uh, the Chris White Experience. That isn't my idea, the Chris White Experience. That was their idea. Okay. But, but they, they run it. They work with us now and my wife. And she does designs. And uh, my youngest son is writing my life story now. So it's a family affair. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd want my kids to know all of the <laughs> all of my life story. That's very. I've never kept secrets. That's a, that's a secret. You know? So uh, when uh, so the book's coming out at some point. Well, when it's when it's written. <laughs> when it's written. When it's yeah. written. Um, Chris, it's so lovely to meet you. Honestly, you are an integral part of the soundtrack of my life. You know and. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing it, and thank you for you know thank your boys for putting all of this stuff out as well because it's it's a treasure trove of you know hits, misses, and 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 things that that were stuck in your mother-in-law's attic. So yeah, thank well, you for that. That's a pleasure. And of course, they decided to put some of my productions out of groups that never got released, like the Sparrow and things like that. So. And of course, I did the early Dire Straits demos as well. Excuse me, what? Sorry, now. I I did. Dire Straits' first demos. I did not know that. How did that come about? Well, the publisher at the time said, we've got this group we want to get signed. Can you can you just go along and, and do demos for them? So I did two tracks. 
three times actually, and because uh, they were really good, very tight. Because I went along to see them in in uh, in London, and they they just knocked me out actually. They're really good, and of course, they always said that uh, he uh, he got, he got very arrogant. He was always arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, good to know. that's good to know. <laughs> because he always knew what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't that's an antagonist. Yeah. Chris, it's so lovely to talk to you. Um, Pleasure. Thank you so much. It, you know, when the book comes out, get in touch. We'll we'll have you back on again. It will be a, an absolute joy. And again, just, you know, thank you. Here's Abba. Thank you for the music. You know, it, <laughs> it means the world. So thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. I, I just watched your birthday party one. Oh my God! No, don't watch any of this show. It's rubbish. <laughs> now you've got no secrets. I'm surprised you still. I'm surprised you still came on. Going, oh, I thought this was no, a professional no. affair. No, that was very funny. Chaotic, yeah. That with the chaotic. Is we the can word. assure you of that, yeah. Every uh, time. Chris, so lovely to see you. Stay safe, and we'll speak to and you again you soon. A good time. All right. Bye, Chris. Bye, bye. 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 This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.